0: Wednesday, October 12th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today, from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, from Motley Fool Income Investor, James Early, and from Motley Fool Pro, Jeff Fisher. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. We've got the latest with Research in Motion. Uh, Earnings season has kicked off. We'll talk Alcoa and Pepsi. We've got big news in the retail industry, but I should start. By the re- with the really big news, which is that voting has officially opened for the 2011 Podcast Awards. So please, by all means, go to pod- yes. go to podcastawards.com. And here's the great thing. Uh, you can vote every day. So if you've ever looked for a chance in life to stuff the ballot box, here's your chance. You can vote every day. So. It's a good
1: way. Start a new routine exactly. with your morning coffee. Exactly. Podcastawards.
0: dot com. Vote daily. All right. Um, research in motion. The pain continues. Uh, the story that you may have seen. The disruption to BlackBerry services over the past few days in Europe and India and Africa. It has now hit North America. Um, we were talking just before we started taping, James, about how nobody really has a bullish scenario for this company when you look at. The way that the stock has fallen over the last five years, um, the way that Apple has really overtaken them in the mobile phone space, um, what is the endgame strategy for this company? How does how can it end well for Research in Motion?
2: Chris, let me say it like this: I mean, if, if you're an investor, first of all, in Research in Motion, you have seen the equivalent of the handwriting on the wall, the dark clouds on the horizon, the 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 black. Cat running across your path, the bird in the windowsill— isn't that a bad omen too? It is now. You got it no. all <laughs> <laughs> now. So, but but that I, what you ask is is the difficult question, and, and this is such an interesting study because what can they do? They, they can just admit that they're dying, and, and at the point they turn cash flow negative, start. Just just close up shop and and give uh, whatever they can to shareholders, which is the best thing. But they're not going to do that. They're going to try to make some g- big gamble or just milk things as long as they can. They really, I don't think they can sell their subscriber list because the company's already dying. Who who would want to buy it? Just let them die and and then just take the subscribers because that's what's happening already. Joe, where is the value in this company? Well, they,
3: I agree. They have a lot fewer strategic options than like Nokia, for example, which is who they get lumped in with because. On the one hand, they have their own operating system, which has value. And the problem with that is, like, it's secure, and that's the appealing factor with RIM, is that there's a secure enterprise software that people trust, that companies trust. Well, the problem with that is people don't want the software. Consumers don't want it. So they're just flocking off in droves. So they don't really have the option of ditching it to pick up Android uh, or Windows, which might be an interesting option. And they can't sell to Microsoft because of that. So Microsoft's not going to go in and put Windows on there because the enterprise doesn't want it, Mm -hmm. and that's their bread and butter. But also Microsoft's probably not (laughs) going to step in here because the reality – that would happen is once they commit to doing it, you're going to see a lot of customer defections because yep. the same people who bought it for the reason they wanted that enterprise software are going to ditch when they hear that there's going to be a transaction that changes it all.
1: Jeff, what do you think? That was well said, Joe. It's it's so true. They've backed themselves into a corner with their software, and you can equate software to any consumer or enterprise technology of of the past. Let, let's talk about consumer VHS Beta. Mm-hmm. You know, first it was v- VHS, now they're both gone. Uh, Sony Walkman, long gone. Is their operating system the same sort of thing? It looks that way right now. What what they need to reinvent themselves is a whole new operating system and they don't have time to do that.
3: Yeah, I think the real value is in the patents. So they've got about 11,000 that have been granted or being licensed right now. When you look at the Nortel deal, they had about 6,000 patents from the Nortel bankruptcy that sold at about four and a half billion. So I did the math on this earlier. Basically, when you shake out to that and you apply it to Research in Motion and net out cash, you're looking at a value of about 18 bucks a share. Well, the stock's at 24 So, really, there's not some sort of takeout premium on the patents just yet. Like, people waiting to poach them on that are going to wait a lot longer. And, you know, I think they can afford to. I mean, they're just going to keep taking
0: on water.
1: It's like palm. I mean, same thing yep.
0: happened. All right. We will continue to watch. Earnings season has officially kicked off with Alcoa's latest quarter. Jeff, how'd the numbers look to you?
1: Bottom line is, I think Alcoa, around 10 right now, is a pretty good investment. If you have a two- to three-year outlook or longer, it's a well-run company. Uh, The shares are down today, they were down this morning, because aluminum prices and demand were both down in the quarter, surprisingly down. But of course, prices will recover, demand will recover. It was interesting, they said aluminum prices declined about 13% in the quarter. That's a large drop for a major input to the world's economy. They're blaming short sellers? As well as just fear, as well as lower demand, mainly in Europe. But it's everyone in the last two months or so got onto this bandwagon that we're going to enter another recession. And as we all know, commodity prices were were pummeled. Aluminum was one of them that hurt Alcoa, but it'll swing back the other way. And I think at this price, it's an interesting uh, long-term investment. What is
2: your opinion on blaming short sellers?
1: We could talk about that a long time, but we have a long time. The way the world markets are moving now, there's so many more so trading is more active than it's ever been in futures and derivatives. And we saw how that affected oil prices in 2007, 2008. That same year, we had food riots because largely because speculators drove up food prices. Of course, the US is is trying to regulate these key commodity trading contracts and, and limit the volatility that we see in them. But if they don't, and there's a good chance they can't. It makes for a more volatile economy worldwide because you have a tiny, tiny pool of speculators driving up prices for things that are are key to the whole worldwide economy. I don't think it's entirely the best system or all that fair.
3: James, I'll give you the answer you were fishing for, which is that these managers should be managing their business and thinking about that and their long-term fundamentals and not blaming short sellers for
0: you know short-term issues. Pepsi, I got your back. <laughs> Pepsi also reported earnings. Revenue up 13% for the quarter. Joe, seemed like a good quarter. What did you think? Yeah, it was good. And it beat expectations, which have become very
3: low. Pepsi's stock, relative to Coke, is as cheap as it's been, as long as anyone can remember. Um, Yeah, I mean, low hurdles. Uh, It's always easy to beat that kind of thing. But you're looking at a great business that's selling at an attractive price. It's not executing all that well, I would say, on the beverage side, especially relative to Coke. And that's why the stock's been lopped off. But
0: Still got two great businesses between Frito-Lay and beverage and selling an attractive price. And uh, worldwide snack volume was up 8%. And uh, you're welcome, Pepsi, I, 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 as someone who contributed to that. It must have been the chicken and waffle Frito-Lay <laughs> segment we had. Um, so uh, on CNBC this morning, there was uh, a rather vigorous debate uh, that, that we've touched on before. And it is this notion of Pepsi spinning off Frito-Lay. Um, because it re- really seems like there's potentially a lot of value there. What do you think about that? Is that is that something they should consider? Because the CEO of Pepsi basically rejected that idea uh, earlier today. I think it's worth considering, but probably not a good move, because of all the the real synergies
3: between the two businesses, namely on buying. Like, they buy a lot of sugar and inputs for their products. Yep. And there are some distribution advantages from being connected. And, you know, just corporate overhead that they can save.
2: And they've had a similar drama with their bottlers. Coke and Pepsi over the years decided, well, no, let's spin off our bottlers. It's a lower margin business. No, let's buy them back, which they both did a couple of years ago, because that way we can force uh, maybe unpopular products into the stores a little bit easier, and hopefully they'll become popular. So the distribution thing is really an unknowable entity.
1: Yeah, the biggest strength Pepsi has is the snack division. So if you spin that off, in my opinion, you're largely killing A great company. That would be like
3: Liz Claiborne selling Liz Claiborne.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that in a moment, but I want to go back to uh, sugar, because we touched on sugar in yesterday's podcast, talking about General Mills lowering the sugar content in its cereals and sort of hitting a floor, uh, hitting, as they call the sweetness threshold. Um, And uh, we got some emails from our listeners uh, related to cereal. And uh, as promised yesterday, we're, we're not attaching any names to these because, you know, well, we... Because we promised we wouldn't attach any names. But uh, one listener writes, As a parent, I do find it really hard to find cereals my kids will eat that balance the health benefits with the sugar content. I suppose adding more protein and fiber while reducing sugar will just make the cereal sink faster, which is apparently the third rail for the cereal companies. I, was, I mean, that was, that was the fascinating thing for me, James. So poignant, too. Well, well just the whole notion of, you know, we got to make sure the cereal continues to float. Uh, another listener writes, everybody knows Lucky Charms is the best cereal. Unless your doctor is yelling at you from eating too many burgers, then it's Cheerios. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, one listener writes, I say o- this, this is pretty innovative. I say Otis Spunkmeyer sells a cereal where you just add milk to a box of their double chocolate chip cookies. Cookie Crisp won't be able to touch them with their fake cookies. (laughs) That's strong. That is. We've we've got some some innovative listeners. Uh, Okay, our final story, as Joe touched on. Liz Claiborne, the company, has sold the Liz Claiborne line of clothes and accessories to JCPenney. Liz Claiborne, the company, said it will change its name to something else uh, (laughs) to be determined later. Uh, James shares up more than 35% today. So, Clearly, investors think this is a great move.
2: Chris, on one hand, this is the equivalent of, of a drug addict selling his clothes at a pawn shop or something. right? He's just so desperate. This company is, is just bleeding money. It has declining revenues for at least the past five or six years. It's just in terrible financial shape, and it's desperate. But on the other hand, it's kind of a match made in heaven with J.C. Penney and Liz Claiborne, two of these kind of dying, less fashionable brands that they do fit well together. The, the real X factor here is the price. The, what 300 million Some i don't remember exactly what it was but some big amount of cash especially for liz claiborne uh, that's that's going to be they have maybe 25 million right now uh on in their books. so it's 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 a lot for them are they going to bungle it we we don't know they're going to focus more on their lucky brand jeans um what else do they have kate spade kate spade um, juicy juicy yeah yeah all the stuff that i i i know and use regularly <laughs> <laughs> they don't actually um so, we'll see what they do with it. That's the, that's the bottom line.
0: Uh, Joe, I mean, we've talked before about sort of the bifurcated economy, and uh, clearly Liz Claiborne is making a bet on their high-end brands, because, you know, the ones that we just ticked off, Kate Spade, uh, Lucky Jeans, I mean, these are these are more expensive items. Again, this seems like a winning strategy.
3: Yeah, I think so. And they had to get Liz Claiborne the, the book. Yep. Now I'm completely confusing all my list, it's not the book the brand the brand <laughs> off their uh off their balance sheet. I mean they had a ton of debt, and they just had to pay that down and you know this just reflects how tough an industry fashion is, and there's so much risk with that, where even when you have a highly successful brand such as that one, it can hang around for a long time, but eventually it it gets tired and the demographic gets tired and you lose pricing power and you know in five years they'll be moving on to some other brand, and the ones that are working for them today won't be working
0: then. Uh, they're going to change their name. I'm assuming they're going to change their ticker symbol as well, because right now the ticker symbol is Liz. So, uh, um, and in preparing for this, um, I learned a little something about Liz Claiborne, the founder of the company. She was the f- uh, this is the first female founded company to make the Fortune 500, and she is the first female chairman and CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So, uh, uh, amazing career for her. Um, but they're going to need a new name James, what do you think?
2: Uh, maybe something with the lucky pants. Those are those are pretty popular. Jeans, they're jeans, jeans not yeah. pants.
0: Yeah. Je- well, okay. Yeah, jeans. Yeah. Joe, what do you think?
3: I'd go with Juicy. I think that's a pretty spicy name for a company. I'd just go with it. I'd...
1: Quickster is available. Juicy and lucky. Shouldn't they just
0: like just, just pick up the quickster <laughs> Twitter feed? <laughs> is not available.
1: I think they they should have learned from their former name that whatever name they use, if they use a brand, it's going to age. So go with something else.
0: All right, Jeff Fisher, Joe Maker. James Early. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery, and please don't forget to vote. Go to podcastawards.com, cast your vote, vote early, vote often, and yes, once again, this is your chance to stuff the ballot box. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.